Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Monday, April 3rd, and today's podcast is a loaded episode. We are doing a full slate breakdown for tomorrow's Tuesday, April 4th NBA slate, as well as a deep dive into the coach rankings for all of the playoff teams. Notice I said we for this episode. Normally, the slate breakdowns are just me, myself, and I, but for this one, because we are going to be ranking coaches, and maybe I'll have this man interrupt me during the slate breakdown if he hears something interesting, is one half of the normal roundtable that the advantage has on. He is our general manager for two seasons, which is an important title to bring on when you're breaking down coaches because the general manager is the guy that hires the coaches. We have a GM live in studio with us today. Austin Vernon, how you doing? What up, what up? Good to be on. That That's a big promotion to go from the, the recruiting, the video office to uh, to general manager. I'm, I'm pumped to move move that many tiers up in your in your book here. I'm invoking the um, Step Brothers where you're a, a general manager of a nine cat fantasy basketball team. Oh, I, I see. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take it with a grain of salt. Notice I said I'll work two my seasons, way up like every man. I know you've jumped in the fantasy NBA waters for only the last two. You've been all, for, for all the listeners, because I know this is a very fantasy basketball-heavy audience, Austin was always the person who watched the most basketball that I knew, but always said, I don't want to play fantasy because I don't want to be rooting for one player during the thing. He's finally overcome that in the last two seasons, and he's, and he's been playing some 9-cat and talking some fantasy hoops yeah. with me on the side. And I'm and I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm definitely was leaning on you more the first season. I feel like I can do a little more myself now. But it's yeah, I I, I like it. It's you know, I, do I love rooting for like low turnovers on a Sunday in a random game? No, I'd rather just watch good ball. But I get it. I'm on board. Yeah, I also think me and you have been doing this long enough, and we do low stakes enough fantasy. Like we don't overly care yeah, about it. Exactly. Where it's not going to totally skew our rooting interest. Like if I'm watching exactly. a Heat game and I'm streaming Max Struess. I'm not freaking out about Struces missing a three or anything like that. Anyways, let's get on to what we are here for because tonight's the night of the NBA of the national championship game, which starts in about an hour. So we're going to hope to get through this in an hour so we can watch my San Diego State against the Yukon Huskies. I only say San Diego, my San Diego State because I recently moved to San Diego and now live about 15 minutes away from that campus. So I hope they win, the bring life. home the ship. Maybe I'm good luck. I was in Boston last year and they uh, – made it to the NBA Finals. What if San Diego State loses today? And so I went Boston, They make, the Celtics make the Finals and lose. I go San Diego State, they make the Finals and lose. Do I then just put my money on Padres to lose the World Series instantly? I I would call it too much of a coincidence. There are so many finals and so many cities that, that I'll, I'll barely I'd call that, that trends betting, which on the last episode <laughs> yeah. of the podcast, I explained why I hate trends betting. So if you want to go check that out, which is actually a great segue. Go check out the last episode of this podcast. It was on the six different types of bettors in the sports market. We went over public betting, trends betting, system betting, line movement capping, models capping, and, of course, the house. So go make sure you check that out. Anyways, we are going to start this episode with a slate breakdown. Austin, you could take a back seat. You could relax. If you hear something interesting, chime in and interrupt me. I am going to go through every single game on tomorrow's Tuesday NBA slate. We have no back-to-backs. We should have good injury news. 
line movements that have been posted that we understand the movement trends, splits that we can rely on at this point. So this should be a heavy slate to play into and one that we like a lot. There are absolutely no totals posted yet. Actually, I just said that and the first one to pop up is Blazers Grizzlies, but I am not gonna go through any totals because as of right now, that's the only one posted. Check my Twitter at mfiddle14 if you want to see if I jumped in and played any totals. Let's start off with the first game that tips off. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to Washington to take on the Wizards. This game opened as an 11 and a half point spread. There was an original steam coming in on the Washington Wizards until they ruled out Beal, Porzingis, Monte Morris, and Kuzma. The line jumped to minus 13. I grabbed it at minus 12 and a half. We are currently seeing 57% of the bets on Milwaukee, 62% of the money now on Milwaukee. So again, the bigger bettors are taking the away Bucks. We also know the Bucks are very close to clinching that number one seed. So maybe they get that done and wrap it up, especially with the Celtics playing in Philadelphia. We'll get to that game in a second. Could be a game where if the Celtics lose one, Bucks win one, they clinch the one seed. So the Bucks will be looking to get it done. I like their chances to cover a 12 and a half currently available at DraftKings, 13 currently available on FanDuel. The Raptors are going to Charlotte. This game opened at 14 and a half and has stayed there pretty much the whole time. I think it momentarily ticked down to 14. There is 71% of the money on the Hornets, and the line was trending in that direction a little bit. So you can assume that the Hornets would be the right angle to play, but of course, 14 and a half. We know the rule of 15, so this is something that's pretty interesting. The One of the most important numbers in NBA betting is the number minus 15 on a spread. If you had bet every minus 15 spread blindly for the last nine or 10 seasons, you would net home a profit. So if this line does move all the way out to minus 15 and you get Raptors moving against the money and the book taking a position against the market on the Hornets, then I'd be very interested in taking the Raptors. Stays at 14 and a half or dips to, my, uh, to plus 14. Then you'd be looking as Hornets being the right side. I am not going to be playing anything in that game. Similarly, the Miami Heat are in Detroit, taking on the Pistons. Opened at 11 and a half, has stayed there the entire time. So we're seeing pretty even splits, no line movement, no real indicators to play into here. The Cleveland Cavaliers are going to Orlando to take on the Magic. Magic open as a plus five. We know the significance of the five is that it is the most common number on a spread that results in a push. So now the line has dipped to Orlando Magic plus four and a half. So we are seeing some steam on the Orlando Magic despite heavy money on Cleveland. So the book, again, here, reverse line movement, taking a position against the public, telling the public, bring us your Cleveland money. We'll take the home magic. We know that the Cleveland Cavaliers are a dominant home team. We know they struggle a little bit on the road. So I guess the book is pricing that in and saying, give us your road Cleveland money. Again, I have no bets on that game. I missed getting the Orlando Magic plus five. And at that point, missing the five and now being at four and a half gets off that key number to a spot that I no longer want to play. Timberwolves going to the Brooklyn Nets. Timberwolves open as a plus one. It has steadily stayed there the entire time. 50% of the bets on both sides, 60% of the money on the visiting Timberwolves. The odds and the juice change. So it is still a plus one spread, but it's minus 112 to bet the Timberwolves as opposed to minus 
108 to bet the Nets. So a slight big change to boost the Timberwolves' chances. However, we know that being around this one-point threshold, not super important. A NBA resulting in uh, a one-point game is the 11th most common outcome. It happens 4.1% of the time. So if this number does move around a little bit, it's rather insignificant to a three or a four or any other movements there. If it goes through the zero, we know it's pretty irrelevant because an NBA game physically can't land on a zero. You can't get into an overtime and then have an overtime land in a tie like you can in some other sports. So for that reason, zero, pretty insignificant to NBA betting. And one, also pretty insignificant to NBA betting. But right now, it seems like the Timberwolves would be the smart side. And I wouldn't be surprised if this does change to a pick'em or a Timberwolves minus one situation. The Boston Celtics are visiting the Philadelphia 76ers. And now, this is one I want to talk about because originally I jumped on the Celtics as a matchup perspective. We know that the this Celtics team has given this 76ers team fits for seasons for three games this season. I see AV laughing. I think he knows certainly that this Tatum and Jalen Brown squad has given the Embiid and Harden team fits for the last few years. So I originally jumped on the Boston Celtics. And again, in the last episode, if you go back and you listen to six types of gamblers, I even tell you guys that I don't bet like someone from the public, but I often catch myself thinking like someone from the public. So coming into this game and seeing the uh, Boston as a plus 1.5 on the road in a great matchup spot coming off of a 41-point away win in a big game against the Bucks. my immediate thought was, oh, let's back, let's back the Celtics. Let's, 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 ta- let's have them take care of business on a team that they match up so well against. However, the book is saying and the numbers are saying something completely different. So I originally bet Celtics plus 1.5 on FanDuel. I woke up the next morning which is actually this morning, so last night to this morning. And the numbers and the splits were telling me something completely different. There was a 60% handle on the Celtics at the time, but 79% of the bets were still there. So the bigger money was clearly on Philadelphia. And then I even saw the odds start to change. So I got, I, I got off of the Celtics when I saw that the, that the juice and the smart bettors were backing the home 76ers. Then I waited on the market a little bit, and then I saw the, the, the number change at DraftKings to minus two and a half, and I jumped in on the minus one and a half immediately. So this is serious reverse line movement happening in the market. It is my favorite indicator to play into for NBA spreads. We know that the 76ers are going to come into this matchup healthy, ready to go. Questionable if the, if the Celtics decide to do the same. I do think they are going to play their guys. They did make Horford and Rob Williams questionable. Of course, Embiid is going to feast if one or either of those guys miss this matchup. So I really like betting into the 76ers here. It's currently minus two on DraftKings. It's currently minus two and a half on FanDuel. I jumped in at the minus one and a half. I even added more exposure to the minus uh, two and a half once it was there for the 76ers. So I don't mind playing it at either of these numbers. I said earlier, one is the 11th most common outcome. Two is the eighth most common outcome. So then you start getting to the three, four, five. Those are way more common. Seven is the most common outcome. The four most common outcomes are seven, five, six, and eight in that order. So those are the key numbers that we more have to play around. If a spread is moving around one or two, two and a half, three, I'm less concerned until it gets to that three. So 
If you can get this at minus two and a half on DraftKings, uh, minus two on DraftKings, minus two and a half on FanDuel, where it's currently at, I love backing the 76ers. You are siding with the house against the public taking the Celtics. There is a still a large amount of bet volume. There's 71% of bets on the Celtics right now, but the volume is going and the money is going towards the 76ers. So this is a classic book versus public spot. You want to side with the book. You want to show that the book is saying to the public, give us your Celtics money, and you want to go the other direction. So I originally sold off the, my Celtics ticket, and I added exposure to the 76ers. The Chicago Bulls are playing the Atlanta Hawks. Line open, minus one and a half, all the way out to minus three and a half, and further juiced. 78% of the money on Chicago. So I think this amount of line movement is just the book trying to do whatever they can to even the VIG on both sides and bring in some Hawks money. I don't know if I would still play it at a three and a half, considering that it's 78% of the money. I do think this eventually goes to four, four and a half. The book is going to do whatever it can to bring in some Atlanta money here. So don't be surprised if it goes further. But if you miss the one and a half, then you might have already missed the boat on this bet. Um, Denver Nuggets going to Houston. Line open 12 and a half. It's down to plus 10 for the home Houston Rockets. Uh, large money coming in on Denver. We don't know if Jokic is going to play or he's going to sit in this one. I would suspect he actually does play. And once he's announced as active, we're going to see the line bounce back up. So given the fact that I think it revolves around some injury uncertainty, I'm going to avoid this game and I have no bets or suggestions for it. Memphis Grizzlies, Portland Trailblazers is an 18-point spread. Wow, we have reached silly season as the Portland Trailblazers are playing Austin Vernon, Cool E, Gibby, and myself as their starting five. Um, so, so definitely not going to back anyone here. Coach Jenkins, who we will talk about in the next segment as we break down the coaches, uh, recently said for the Grizzlies that he's going to ramp up starters minutes. So he wants them to be ready to take on 36, 37 minute workloads for the playoffs. So he's starting to do that towards the end of the regular season. So that is a good sign that Memphis should be able to cover an 18 point spread. This Portland team is so bad. If I had to bet anything, I would take the Grizzlies, but I'm not going to touch an 18 point spread. Uh, Pelicans are minus two and a half. And this is another one of my best bets of the day. Listen to this. We have 57% of the bets on Sacramento and 60% of the money on New Orleans. The line opened as Pelicans minus one and a half, moved to Pelicans minus two and a half. So staggering difference in the tickets versus money volume splits. Line movement to back the home Pelicans. Home Pelicans winning four to their last five. The Kings just made the playoffs. They clinched it. They, they broke the drought. The drought is over. Light the beam. It's all great in Sacramento. Look for them to just take a little bit of pedal off the gas to close the season. Maybe they rest some guys. They look comfortably locked into that three seed with three or four games left for each team. So I don't expect them to take any of these games super seriously. And for that reason, the Pelicans, who are steaming as the seven and eight seed, trying to avoid the 9-10 play-in game, which they succeeded in last season. But this season, they want to just simply avoid that and hopefully get Zion back, which would be freaking awesome. Anyways, the Lakers open at minus 5. It's now out to minus 8. If you've missed that boat, you've missed the 5, which is the push number. You've missed the 6.5, which gets you before the 7. 7 is the most common outcome. And now you're at the on the wrong side of the 8, so... 
I really wouldn't touch this if you have missed the Lakers. The Jazz lineups that they're playing recently are just abominable. So I would suspect with the line movement from five to eight, I haven't checked the injury report, but probably it means marketing's day-to-day or doubtful or something or probably going to rest or something. Uh, Lakers clearly going for gold here. They want to try and push even into that sixth seed. They could still reach that sixth seed. I do think they control their own fate in the loss column. And, you know, if you're tied in the loss column and you just have more games, you control your own destiny. So Lakers have a chance to climb up the standings if they can win their last four. Two of them are against the Utah Jazz. The Oklahoma City Thunder are visiting the Golden State Warriors. Line opened as Warriors minus six and a half. I jumped in on the Thunder plus seven and a half. I knew I was going contrarian here. I knew I was going against the sharp side of this market. However, I just don't think the Warriors should be favored even at home against eight versus the Thunder team that's been top 10 offense and defense since the new year. So this team is dangerous. They are looking to get secure their play-in spot. They are not tanking. We we noted that a few weeks ago on the pod to play into the Thunder to avoid the uh, lottery and to play into the playoffs. They've definitely done that over the last few weeks. They've been a great team for us to back. I'm going to do it again. The line did move to plus eight. So now actually I'm, I'm really into that. It, it moved further against me, so I should have even waited further playing my contrarian angle. Knowing that I was on the other side of the seven was the reason to jump in at the plus seven and a half. I thought it would tick back and bounce back the other way. Now at plus eight, I got to admit, I really like taking the thunder here, although it's the contrarian to the sharp angle. But I think at this number, you're going to see it bounce back and gain some closing line value before tip. And finally... So that's the one I would jump in on, if I may interrupt quickly. I, I oh, know you're yeah. you're really Talk hitting your stride here. Uh, so so that I mean so the news just came out that Wiggins is is coming back with the team, looking but to, is he, to get into. I don't think not he's gonna, playing think, at all. Not not playing not at all. My, my, po- my point is my point is despite the fact that Golden State has clearly been playing their hearts out, trying to get in in avoid the play in game and just get in the playoffs. Um, I think that it's been kind of a, a tough end to the season for them, and just getting Wiggs back or knowing you're getting Wiggs back after so much uncertainty is a huge mental boost. You know that you're not a championship team if he doesn't come back, and now I know that if you're if you're a Warrior, you believe that you have a chance to like where they are. Plus, they're so much better at home than on the road. I, I I won't even you know pretend to understand why the splits have been so drastic with them, but it's they have been there. So you would be you would back the Warriors minus to cover the eight at home. Give me the Warriors covering eight at home on the on the big mental boost from Wiggs coming back on the big boost from home that they get more than anyone else in this league. Um, they're gonna get hot. Listen, I, I I certainly hear you on that. And the first thing I admitted for this game was I'm contrarian to the market here. So I know I'm on like the quote unquote wrong side. I often say there's a right side and a wrong side to be on. I completely think that's true in sports betting. And that's why I like to get on the right side of the market 95% of the time. But occasionally I go contrarian. This is one that I was going to go contrarian on because Wiggins was going to be in the building, but not suiting up. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think this OKC team plays them well. It seems like they play them well every time and then just like falter in the fourth a little bit. We'll see. Is SGA is going to be the second best player on the court for sure? Um, so if, I, S- if like... I mean, if if SGA plays, which I think he will, then then he at any given night could be the best player on the court if, if it's a little bit cold. But I but yeah. I agree there, and I think from like a where is it beneficial to play a contrarian 
play often with OKC because everyone's so used to the last like two three seasons saying oh it's the end of the NBA season OKC sucks they tank they probably will just not cover anything Um, and that's not the case this year at all yep well we are seeing 53 percent of the bets Golden State 58 percent of the money Golden State so again the bigger backers are on the Warriors at home uh, it is out to a minus eight now, so you might want to just, if you want to take Austin's angle and take the Warriors, I'd even just recommend waiting because I do think this is going to start to bounce back the other way. I do think eight has gotten too far, so maybe it goes back to seven and a half before tip, and you can grab that if you're a Warriors backer. Um, maybe I'm still wrong, and this pushes out to eight and a half, and, and I should have gotten in there instead of seven and a half. I only jumped in for half a unit. It is my smallest bet of the night, so there is that angle. If I am going to go contrarian to the market, it's, I'm not going in full head of steam. If we are going to talk about exposure really quick, I, I will say that and review the bets that I gave out. The ones that I'm on is Milwaukee minus 12.5, half a unit. OKC plus 7.5, half a unit. Lakers minus 5 for three quarters of a unit. And then I have full unit plays on Chicago, New Orleans, and Philly. And then I even added further exposure, so I'm at a unit and a half on the Philadelphia because I even added some on the minus two and a half. Again, I didn't care about the line movement. I don't think that those are relatively key numbers. And I like the, the indicators from the market, so I thought that was the game to load up on. AV. What up, what up? That was one take through the slate breakdown. What'd you think? Uh, I think the the... How far you've come since I first get was a guest on the show is is so incredible. Not just and I'm sorry, I know your your fans might not want me to, to sit here complimenting you, but not only the 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 breakdowns and and that you know you're betting so well, but like it's it's almost like the if since we're going on a coaching podcast here, the Hubie Brown style explaining of what what are good numbers, why you take certain breakdowns, like. One of the reasons that I chimed in very little there is because even though, you know, my role is to talk here, I'm listening and I'm, I'm a fan there. And it makes it kind of so clear for someone, you know, like me that knows the game well, but doesn't, you know, sit in the weeds of, of betting numbers and strategy like you do understand. Because I'm someone who I would be like, you know, miss me with, with the deep level, you know, nerdy stuff. And I want to talk about ball. But, you know, you break it down, you make it clear. And I'm I love it. I'm impressed. I appreciate the kind words. All right. There are six games on the slate with uh, spreads above 10, so it is silly season in the NBA, which is why me and AV can go away from the court a little bit, talk about the coaches on the sidelines, and just a quick reminder that I'm probably going to slow down in my volume because, and you're going to see some wonkier spreads out there because of the silly season coming out, so expect a slower ramp down. Hopefully I'll be wrong and of course, in the Western Conference, probably irrelevant. We'll be hammering away at the West. But some of these Eastern Conference games, like a, like a Raptors, Hornets, you know, Heat, Pistons, those are games that I'm just avoiding at this point in the season. Heat look like they're locked into the seven seed. Pistons locked into a bottom four. Anything can happen. The game is probably priced right. It, 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 it's, it's just not worth me taking shots in any direction on. Uh, I'm not sure which of these players are going to rest or get reduced minutes or, you know, who they're going to feature, you know, any any weird thing that you see happen late in the season. If anything, look to play more DFS lineups and look to play some more GPPs and take some shots on stuff like that. All right, AV, let's talk coaches. What we are doing today is first time we've ever done a slate breakdown and a side discussion. 
We are the, the assignment that I gave you was to rank the coaches one through ten in each conference, and come up with your top eight and like may almost make a playoff bracket of coaches in each conference. Now, for me, it was tough. I, I we talked for like three minutes before I clicked <laughs> the record button, and you were like, "Some of these coaches stink," and I was like, "We have really good coaches." So I, I look forward to where this discussion goes. What were your thoughts when you were given this assignment and approached it, and 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 you know, enter this discussion? What are you like? Where where was your hard part? You, you, where was your easy part? Give me a, give those me a, give those me a first three minutes were minutes. were hilarious because I know sometimes we go through entire shows where we only disagree on one one or two points and sometimes they're minor and I feel like there's gonna be we're gonna be all over the place here which I love. My biggest takeaway is how little experience there is in in both conferences. Yeah, the East is is a clear step ahead coaching wise right now um, in that top tier or two. Um, especially in terms of playoff experience, but both tiers, especially with with teams that are going to be good, don't have a lot of coaching experience. You know, like teams like the the, the Kings are, are are a high seed, the Grizzlies are a high seed. They don't have any experience. I I guess I won't get it into specifics, but after you know the first three tiers, I feel like you could have skipped multiple tiers before I got to the next coach to who I would be comfortable. Um, you know, paying the big bucks to take me home in, in a playoff matchup. But, you know, it's going to be the teams that win it. It's players over coaches in the NBA, even in the playoffs. It is always players over coaches. But I did think this was an interesting point because in the playoffs is when we start to see coaching begin to matter the most, Facts. right? So so yes. I wanted to go do a playoff-style type thing because, and I wanted to keep it within our conferences because we might get a situation where we have Bickerstaff and Tibbs going against each other and teams are relatively even and it comes down to who do we think is the better coach? Who do we think is going to be more of an adjustment right. maker? So I want to have this discussion now to to start that. If I'm going to disagree with one thing already, it's that this <laughs> lack of experience for the Kings, I mean, Mike Brown has been to what? How many NBA finals with LeBron and the Warriors? He's got plenty of experience. The experience, the lack there of experience with the Kings is not on the coaching staff. Wow, so I, I completely discounted all of his Cleveland time. I, I don't, even, don't even have an explanation for that. I'm thinking, you know, he spent a lot of time as the number two on, on benches for a little while here. Um, but yeah, maybe Mike Brown didn't deserve to get picked on there, and I'll, and I'll save some shots fired for the rest of these Western Conference coaches as well. All right, you want to um, start East or West? Let's let's start in the East. Let's start in the East. Cause I, right. I, if I've been too much of a hater. I think if there, if there are good coaches right now that you know that I could swing a matchup they're they're probably in the east for me um and I think there's almost no doubt that you and I both have Spo as our number one tell me I'm Spoh's, right Spo's number one I don't even think we need to go too deep into it yeah I have a little parentheses next to all my coaches with what tier I have them in and Spo's the only coach in tier one from a betting angle, I will remind people, and I know I've mentioned this to you before, Spo has never won Coach of the Year in the NBA. So when it starts coming out next year in the future years, it is a type of thing where it's, his odds are going to be longer than 5-1 to one or 6-1 to one the next six years. And I'll be betting it every single year because it's coming. So yep. it's one of those long-term futures bets where it's like, okay, you could take Mahomes MVP 7-1 to one for the next six years. And as long as he wins it one time, you end up profitable. So... From that yeah. angle, and even but Spoh, even in one. that comparison, I'm giving Spo more kind of legacy lifetime achievement credit than Mahomes even has. They're they're waiting to give this one to Spo. And Spo's and Spo opens the season at like 16, 18 to one. So it's a it's a no brainer next season. We will, we will be on Spo Coach of the Year. 
Anyways, number two, who did you have? This is where things might get interesting. Already it gets interesting. So I, I despite the, the current issues with his team, and I'm not I'm not in the locker room. I don't know we what are. is going we on. Are. We are aligned. I could tell we we're are aligned. aligned it's Nick Nurse. It's it's still Nick Nurse. I would have had Nick Nurse as a as a low tier one. The only reason I haven't demoted to my high tier two is because something so weird is going on. Did you see him in that press conference the other day where he's like, You guys keep asking me this question three days in a row. It's getting ridiculous. Stop asking. It's, this is not the Nick Nurse. This is not the fun Maasai Raptors that I know. I I know this isn't their championship year, but I still always expect them to have a higher morale, a higher professionalism, honestly. What's going on? Are we talking about Toronto Raptors head coach Nick Nurse, or are we talking about Houston Rockets head coach? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There was another rumor, too. Um, I almost I almost could... ranked him in the West <laughs> to fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> you would have gotten a genuine laugh out of me there. That would have been good. Um, oh, yeah, it's weird stuff. He definitely deserves number two. He's definitely has a championship belt. He definitely has the defensive chops. He definitely has the work ethic. He's the rise in the ranks, the, the, the defensive schemes on a night to night basis. I mean, he, he earns his number two spot. Uh, it would be weird to see him leave, uh, the Raptors. He would be hired immediately, uh, Unless he decides to take a year off and then choose his job, which could then which could then get interesting. I do have that kind of question for you about someone else later. But yeah, if we're aligned, let's just skip skip Nick Nurse and go to three. Who do you have at three? Yeah, I, I have Bud at, at three. I have him also in tier two with Nick Nurse. I can't believe I'm saying that. If you told me that, you know, the, the year the Raptors went to the finals, 2019, or even the year after, I would be shocked. But Bud has sort of earned it at this point. You know, he got some hate for overplaying his players, for maybe not making the kind of creative adjustments that Nick Nurse is known for. But at this point, I've seen him succeed with this team enough in the playoff, especially defensively, to know that I'm comfortable with him in Tier 2. And uh, and he's the last one for me there in Tier 2. So I'm, I'm happy if I have one of these top three coaches. And I have big question marks for everyone else on my list going down. Mike Budenholzer comes in at number three for me as well. Uh, completely agree. The uh, Bucks number one in the NBA this season. Already won a championship. Are the championship favorite. Let's not overthink it. He's top three. Who's four? Yeah. So four, four I have Tibbs here. So I have only two coaches out of my top ten who I have highlighted or starred, and, and Tibbs is one of them, and, and maybe the biggest one. I have biggest room for promotion. So this is someone who, in a bygone era, I think that means like a long time ago, was a top-tier coach in the league, regardless of conference. He had such a good defense, such a buy-in, and such the way that that affected you in the playoffs was... It was it was a trifecta, and for me, he was a top tier coach. I haven't seen him successful in so long. Not only you know what happened in Minnesota, and you know that the Knicks have been great this year, but you know, I've had my questions about him as well. My biggest question is, can he adapt to the way basketball is being played in 2023? And I think the last few months, couple months with the Knicks, shows you he can. Um, I think his strengths are going to be the kind of things that make you good in the playoffs. They're going to be a physical team. He knows that you can't call a foul every possession, and he's going to make sure his team uses that and uses every foul that they do get called for. So I, I actually like Tibbs here. I think if he shows that he's a good coach this year in the playoffs with the Knicks and they make a real run, he goes all the way up to, to Tier 1 or 2. 
Um, and if he flops, you know, I, I put him back and I'm going to say that he's not ready and he's a, he's a past coach, not a, not a current or future coach. You think Tibbs is still the coach of the Knicks in like five or six years? You think he's got a long tenure? I, I think Knicks, this year Knicks has so coming, or or it's I, I do dependent on I do. this year next year. I think this year is at, this year even specifically is going to be a big year. I know that he's outkicked his coverage in the in the regular season enough that people probably think that there is he's on the opposite of a hot seat. But you, this is New York City. You need to be able to do things in the playoffs. And now, because of what he's done in the regular season, expectations are we'd like to see a win in the first round here. And if they get embarrassed by JB, who's you know not thought of necessarily as such an experienced coach, but he's coming up on our lists, um, then, yeah, I, I think that, that he won't have that same kind of untouchability. I think, and I know I'm talking a lot on Tibbs, who might not deserve it here, I think, me, like, from a narrative perspective, the type of person Tibbs is is just right for like the Knicks culture and media, and so it'd be harder to get rid of him. And he fits in well with that front office there that's very tight-lipped and uh, mm-hmm. close to the vest about everything, too. I think it's organizationally, it's, it's a cohesive unit. Um, I had Tibbs 5. I had Doc 4, and I know you know I'm not the biggest Doc fan historically. I can't but believe you have Doc 4. That I can't believe that. I, 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 I'm, I'm speechless because you and I have had more negative Doc conversations than about any coach or player in the league. I am so shocked you have him at 4. I don't even remember what we were talking about. Please explain how you have him at 4. So, always getting superstar buy-in. So, from his entire career, Doc has always had his superstar on his side. I don't think he's ever had an issue with his number one player, which I think is a huge component of NBA coaching, right? Some Clippers issues, but keep going. Yeah, okay. Yes. But for the most part, You know, the Chris Paul ones, but yes, keep going. You're right. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Was was Chris Paul better than Blake on those teams? Ah, tough to say, because one of them was buying it at any given time, you know? And you couldn't have both, so so So, that's tough. So anyways, it seemed to always have superstar buy-in on the court from the coaching angle like that Uh, generally drama free locker rooms that are star studded has a championship under his name of course he has blown some some 3-1 leads in the playoffs he's known for that he did come out this season with the uh nice melton in the starting lineup getting maxi to come off the bench i think he's done really well in in underdog spots the the times where the 76ers are dogs in games when they're down players they consistently overperform in the games that Embiid sits uh in the games where they play you know Niang extra minutes things like that so those are those are plus coaching matchups when you don't have a Harden or Embiid going and you end up out kicking your coverage covering spreads as dogs things like that so I think Doc has shown some pretty good chops this season that has made me take him up a few names but just simply more because history, star power, winning, and with Doc teams, you are going to get playoff expectations, which you don't and you haven't always gotten with Tibbs-led teams. So for that reason, do I think Tibbs has gotten more out of less this season? Yes, 100%. 100%. But consistently over time, a Doc-led team is going to have a higher playoff expectation, whether that be because the players that he gets and the places that he goes, but for whatever reason... That keeps him higher on my board. Steve Nash is so the, I, the, the coach that I hate the most. That we've that we've. Yeah, you know you're right. No one got more. He would be. No one got more more shit than Steve Nash when we spoke. Yeah. Right. And you called it from the jump. I don't. I don't think you were ever in on Steve Nash. No, I was, it was day one. I was. What are they doing? Why aren't they hiring a veteran coach who's won before when you have Katie and Kyrie? 
Yeah, did did not work. So I would say that both both Doc's biggest strength and his biggest weakness work against him in in the playoffs and with this team. And I just don't like him, so I might be a little biased right now. Um, I I used to love him, you know. I, I I respect what he did with the Celtics, but just recently, especially if you're if you're on these R slash NBA or on R slash Sixers, you know his fans are so fed up with his rotations, the way that he deals with everyone from B-ball Paul to Montrez Harrell to it's. I mean, it is sometimes mind blowing. He doesn't help himself in press conferences, and I don't think he cares so much about what the fans think of him. And that doesn't necessarily make him a bad coach, to your point. So I, I cut him be a, a little biased here. I cut him a little bit of slack on the backup center stuff because it's also clear that Maury has made a point that he just doesn't think that the the backup and bead minutes matter at all. He's just pretty much said. We are going to funnel our resources into other parts of the team. In the come playoffs, if this man's not healthy and playing 36-plus every night, we're not winning. The, the the eight minutes he's on the bench doesn't matter. We should learn to play, you know, B-ball Paul, Niang, small ball fives, Tobias at the five, those weird lineups. As just regular season, mix it up, be able to have different looks in the playoffs should need be. So I don't I don't hate the, the non – you know, like you look at uh, – like the non-Jokic minutes, like I don't; those things don't bother me from a coaching angle. So, I, so yeah, I would say that his biggest weakness as a coach, and this affects you more in the playoffs, is that he he doesn't make adjustments in series often, and he's not so creative. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's gonna hurt you, especially offensively in the playoffs. I know that you have a team where your offense can at any given time be run run through Harden or, or run through Embiid and, and run away. So he actually he may cover for that a little bit. But I also think that his biggest strength, and when I think of my favorite doc years, I think of when the Clippers were bad with Lou Williams being their, their leading scorer in, in all of their offense, making a run as that eight seed, testing KD and the Warriors. And he is an incredible culture guy, or was for for chunks of his career, getting guys to buy in and believe that they can win when they know that the other team has more talent. I know that wasn't a Celtics team when he won his championship, and that's when he got all of his clout because that was maybe the original super team in terms of what you did with free agency. But I, I yeah, I, I don't love Doc going into the playoffs. You, you've now brought up twice alignment between the coaching staff, the GM, the front office, and and your your owner. You haven't said the owner, but that's often the trifecta that people talk about. That is so, so, so important. I don't know if fans recognize enough how important it is to have your GM and your coach and your owner, but, but really those two on the same page in terms of what is our strategy this year and beyond? Who who are we okay playing? I know that that shouldn't even be up to the GM, but realistically it is because you're building towards the same thing. It matters in terms of who you're going after, what you're thinking in terms of draft picks and trades. And so if you're telling me too that that Maury and Doc are more aligned than than your average combo here, and a lot of these regular season things decisions are more like Maury wants things to play out a certain way and test things, and he has his levels of genius, I admit, then, yeah, I, I give him more points for that. He has his basketball Jesus and James Harden. Um I think this I think six seven is where it gets really tricky. So you said that you had the highest potential upgrade with Tibbs. Like you had, he had the highest ceiling for you to grow. For me, it's it's Jacques Vaughn six. Now Oh my God. Wow, okay. 
I mean, what, what, that's go- really high. Again, I love Jacques Vaughn as a coach, but that's incredibly high for someone so, with so little experience. Go ahead, yeah. Make so it, make this point. is this is this is a this is a admittedly doesn't have the resume, but I am buying all the Jacques Vaughn stock that I can, and and I mm-hmm. and I hate to invoke this comparison because everyone's going to just think it's a it's a race based thing, but it's not. It's more of a tone and and tenor and and attitude and whatever. He reminds me so much of Mike Tomlin as just an organizational stability culture team first stoicism stoicism put i put i aside development young guys like like he just reminds me so much in his interviews as Tomlin like it just is a staggeringly and i just think the nets like after have kind of given him shade for so long and they made him the interim they made him the assistant again they made him the you know they, then yeah. they they hired a new coach he stayed they had him stay as the assistant they fired steve nash they were going to bring in email back all of a sudden and, and supersede vaughn and keep him then they finally gave vaughn the job and they realized okay wait let's make him the full-time coach right so uh i think the nets as they re-enter the next phase of the brooklyn nets actually have an amazing leader for that transition period. I think they have a few key pieces too in Bridges, uh, Claxton types. So we'll see what they can come up with. But I think Vaughn is going to be there a lot longer than some of these other coaches on this list. And I agree with all of these points. I am so high on Jacques Vaughn for a culture fit to build with them going forward. I think that that team could go in multiple directions because of how many picks they have, because of how attractive Brooklyn is to attract potential free agents. And I think all of those scenarios include Jacques Vaughn. I'm talking in the playoffs this year. What kind of experience do you have? What he has done getting everyone to buy in during the incredible chaos that has been the last season or so. And he's been actively doing that even before he was the head yep. coach, which is yep. part of he what makes him so He was the bubble so head impressive. coach, and then he was sent back to being an assistant yep. for and, a while. while. Like exactly what you were saying, the disrespect that they've shown him. <laughs> so I much think shade now that, uh, it. it's It's been wild. And now I think they're overly bought in. They know what they have. I'm so pro Jock Vaughn. I just can't put him at number five. But to your point, in my mind... It's Spo, Nurse, Bud, and then you could put any of these coaches and make right, an argument right. because they all have so little experience. If you're taking like a next things. five, next ten years, you could put Vaughn four. Like you, you really could. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then it's a different conversation. Absolutely. Right. So I actually think the Nets. I mean, I'm going to be fading them in the first round. I'm going to be taking the series price against them in the first round. Like they are not winning a first round series. I I I also think they're going to take. A game or two. Like, I think if they play the 76ers, I think if they play the Celtics, I do think they're going to win one or two games on, on either of those teams. So, we'll not be playing a sweep. I'll be, probably be playing a, you know, over five and a half games prop line on a series because this team just overperforms expectations. They play really hard under him. They 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 play hard for their coach, and it shows. They have a good, good culture. They'll travel well. It's defense first. It'll it'll hang in the in the playoffs. We'll see if what Mikel Bridges can do on offense. They have consistent shooters in Curry and Joe Harris, finally healthy. Dinwiddie's back in Brooklyn, so we'll see what they can do. I will be I will be finding angles to back Brooklyn a little bit in the first round from an over I, game. This isn't necessarily a coaching point, but I don't think that there's a team in either conference in the playoffs with less pressure on them, and that also matters. So where did you have Vaughn, and who did you have? Did you have Bickerstaff in front of him? I, I don't even want to. I, I don't even want to say where I have 
uh, Jacques Vaughn, a.k.a. JV. I'm going to I have him all the way at number nine. Um, but I have him in the same tier as my last four guys, which are, you know, kind of up in the air. I have in someone in a similar vein, very high with very little experience in Missoula at number five. And I have him there for two reasons. I have him there because... Brad Stevens is still so involved and they're so aligned and it comes back to this, do you have a, a triumvirate of coaching, management, and ownership? And they so, so do. Maybe number one out of any team, again, in either conference there, and that is so important. And despite him not having a lot of playoff experience, a.k.a. any, because he doesn't have any experience, because this is you know a shock that he even got to be a head coach this year, he was, he is, not was, he is so creative this year in the way that he is running his offense and leaning into some of the things that Ime did, but really dialing it up in terms of their three hunting. And, and, and I know that they're not as high ranked a defensive team, but you have to remember they haven't had Rob Williams all year. He's been in and out. Um, and they, you, when you run a different offense like that, you can't put up the same defensive numbers. It just doesn't work with the way that they, they pace and, and the way that they want to um, put their emphasis and energy. So I, I, this, you know, you could have Missoula anywhere from five to 10 on this list and I wouldn't fight you, but I have him at five and I dropped, you know, three tiers in between him and Tibbs above. So good luck. So I didn't even have Missoula ranked. I know that's something that we briefly touched on the pre-pod and, and we're, we're shocked over it was the, was the Missoula yeah, contrast between our lists. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hear everything you're saying for me. It was like new coach, has been given all the talent in the world, inherited inherited a team that was the number one defense last year, historic level defense, incredibly deep, talented, tons of role players. Everyone assumes and know their roles. They've all bought in. And yeah, they're, they're back where they were. And I didn't see too much difference. They might be a little bit worse this year, but I think that's just a, you know, kind of just the lust of being a powerhouse has worn off a little bit. We'll see them ramp back up in the, the postseason. Interesting. I just think this one's in. Like, if it was still Ime AV, like, where would if it was Ime the whole time and nothing had ever happened, where would Ime have ranked? Three, I have four? him in tier in, in tier two, right below Bud. But I, he'd be in tier two with Bud and Nurse. So yeah, it's, I'd it's probably a, have him. I'd have him. I'd probably have him ahead of Bud. I'd probably have him Nurse and yeah, Ime. And, that, that would be fair. So maybe I, I'm wrong, I, throwing shade at Missoula. So when Ime was able to do that last year with his coaching chops, yeah, we'll see. You know, well, am I not giving the same too person, much credit to Ime? Am I not giving enough credit to Missoula? Like it's 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 a time will tell situation. Yeah, and it's it's harder to know in basketball. It just is. Where'd you rank Quinn Snyder? He was my eight. So he's the other one I have highlighted along with Tibbs where the biggest room for growth. He belongs in tier two. I have him all the way down at number seven um, in tier five or tier five or six, but he belongs in tier two. I, that's the quality of coach he is. He just joined this team middle of the season who's having the most middling average pedestrian season you've ever seen where you know they've been exactly 500 all season to the game to the point. It's been pretty wild. Um, so I, yeah, what, what are you going to do coming in mid season? That's more of a, of a, of a culture of a buy-in of a, of an enthusiasm than I, can I really get my defensive schemes to, to seep into your, your being? Cause your, your team needs to like, so understand the way you defend that it's not something that you can set up overnight. I, yeah, I, I think he'll, he'll, he'll bring some nice ATOs. He'll, he'll have some tricks for the playoff. Their offense will look better than it did under McMillan, but it's almost too hard to factor him in until next year. 
So I had him eight for all the same reasons. And we and you have always gone back and forth that we've we've both been pro Quinn Snyder people going back to the Utah days. The playoff flameouts probably not totally on him. A little bit roster construction, a little bit team chemistry stuff. The the Atlanta Hawks stuff. He's so new. They've gotten worse since he's been there, but I don't really attribute that to his coaching at all. You have to. You need time. You need his player, him to start bringing in his players and his philosophy, and he needs practice time and all that stuff. Uh, the biggest thing that I had on the the Quinn Snyder front is just like, you think he did the right thing taking this job now? Like, if if, if we have just waited till the end of the season, right? If he had not come in and, and of course he took the the deal because he got a massive deal and five i think he got five years and 40 million like he got a huge deal um so it, it was a it was a clear grab the bag while it's in, being handed to you situation but like we know that you know potentially spurs with pop was coming up we have some pretty strong indicators that JK is going to be out of Dallas and he could have teamed up with Luca. Maybe he could have gone to Toronto with Scotty Barnes and co if Nick nurse is getting out of there. Like there's going to be some other jobs that open up this off season that are going to be pretty intriguing. And he probably could have even waited on the Atlanta job. If he was already in the ins with the organization, it's almost, it reminds me a little bit of like the Sean Payton football situation where like, did he just jump into the Denver Broncos? Cause it's, the most money and a good ownership situation and stuff like that, or is it, you know, actually the right fit as a as a coach? So, again, time will tell on that, but we'll see what coaching options are open this this summer. If it was me, I'd be like, get me to Luca. Yeah, I mean, if if we've learned anything from what makes a good coach GM owner, it's align yourself with the biggest superstar that you can find and ride his coattails to the promised land. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm looking down at the rest of my list here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to speed through a few. Have a, I have my six through 10 is JB, Quinn, Doc, JV, and Billy D. And I have positive and negative to say about all of them, but these are not guys that I'm, that are swaying me, especially betting wise in a coaching matchup there. I'm, these are not guys that unless they really show me something in, in the first round or even two, uh, of this playoffs that I'm saying, okay, um, I'm excited to give you the the tilt on a 50-50 here because I, I think that you have the coaching chops to kind of out outwit the other guy. Not not happening, really. Okay, I'm going to I, – I just ended at eight, so I didn't rank Missoula and – I don't know who the last one I didn't rank was, but I guess I just haven't said his name in, in, in this conversation anyways. But, yeah, Billy so Donovan, I left – maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Billy, yeah, Billy Donovan. So yeah. I left – which was actually a tough one for me to leave off because I actually really like him as a coach. I do think he's probably probably on the outs of Chicago. I wouldn't do that if I was Chicago. I do think he gets rehired in maybe a year or two, goes to TV for a year or some situation like that. Uh, but I have always been a big Billy Donovan fan. Let me ask you a few questions, A.V., before we wrap up. Yeah. And maybe we'll just do the East today because time considerations. Where would Rick Carlisle rank if the Pacers were in the playoffs? Does he immediately just slide up to right underneath Spo and join the Bud uh, Nurse fake email? He immediately rank? goes to tier two. I, there's no question in my mind that this guy is another genius, like another guy who can really get a team through the playoff, X's and O's, and culture-wise, and in the locker room. My only question about Carlisle when he left Dallas 
and then came to Indiana was, is he going to have the the stamina, the motivation to really give himself? Because he's one of these psycho guys who, like, just loves the game in that crazy, intense way. And I think that, you know, with Indiana, that being, like, a place that works well for him, and Halliburton, he actually has bought in. And if this... If this team was in the playoffs at looking at like a six seed, which they very well could have been, given how well they played early in the they season, they stayed healthy. Uh, I mean, they, once Halliburton got hurt, yeah, they, they went down big. the other way. Those were those are three tough weeks at a key time in the season where it really right. just sort of not only ended it, it changed their mindset where they decided, you know, now we're going the other way. But I, yep. I put them right in tier two, and and with what's going on with with the craziness, weirdness in Toronto, and the fact that. You know, I never thought of Bud as such a genius. He could pass both of them, just be number two, right behind Spo. Yep, hundred percent agree. Dwayne Casey. Ah, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen him in the playoffs in a while, and I feel like he has such two extreme situations to be judged by. Where whatever's happening in Detroit is a complete rebuild, and I don't know if he's right for he's that. A, but he's, 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 no- I think he's gone this year too. Yeah, I do too. I know that the fanhood is out on him. But also, even his time in Toronto doesn't tell me a ton because it was such a weird situation where you had the best team in the East when the East was so weak, but still so much worse than LeBron. And it was like he... Yeah, he always, you know, slipped into that that range that he should have, which was, you know, second, third best in the East, challenging LeBron, but not actually. And I, I have no idea how good he is in the playoffs. He would not have... Move the needle for me. I probably would have had him uh, lower than I'd like to admit. Yeah, I put him with the Bickerstaff, Tibbs, kind of, kind of lower than those two. He gets them yeah, maybe a little bit lower. He gets the most out of his talent, but but uh, I don't really see him coaching the high end talent to win a title. If if he wasn't able, I mean, w- once he left, it was it was that year that the Raptors made the trade for Kawhi hired nurse to be there has been so many coaches who won the ship in their first year we'll see if missoula can get it done this year but in the last 10 years so many and it's so, so many weird Kerr, Kerr did it tyloo did it uh nurse did it uh whoever been... with oh yeah that was tyloo yeah yep 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 yeah so um, i think there's, there's yeah, three of them right off it, the bat it, it, Ime took them to the finals it, it's pretty wild because we yeah, we Ime grew up in a time it where it was like Jerry Sloan coaches for 40 years, and it's just like however long you've been a coach with your franchise is how good you are, and that's yep. the way we used to think about it. Pop so, was winning yeah, every other we year. Yeah, gotta... Jackson was winning every other year, so yep. it was, it was yep. that kind of situation. Um, one more question before we get out of here. We'll, we'll, we'll save the West rankings for maybe I'll have you on next week if you're available. Um, Love it. I'm in. Um, one, other, one last question. I saw this, saw this today, but and it's completely – Irrelevant to all the other stuff, but I just think it's interesting. You know, AD is about to be LeBron's longest tenured uh, all-star teammate. So starting next season will be the fifth AD LeBron season. And that means he will have played with AD longer than Wade, Bosh, Kyrie, Love, any of them. So it's like... So here's here's what I have to say to qualify that and tell me if I'm wrong. That's a seasons thing, not a games played, not a minutes on the court thing. Because it feels like he's shared the court with, with AD for so much less time than both the Heatles and Kyrie. Definitely, right? definitely. Yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah, prob- probably because he was four. Well, yeah, because it'd be going into his fifth season, and then uh, you could count the, you know, the the, what was it, three weeks that Wade joined him in in Cleveland for a fifth yeah, season. Yeah, no, that so, that little bonus. But no, he yeah, played so, so, so many minutes. That, and- but 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 they, I mean, I don't think the Lakers are trading LeBron or AD this offseason. So going into next season, they will be 
AD will become LeBron's like. I already think he's LeBron's best teammate of all time. Like I like in terms of the way that they play and the peak of AD's talent when LeBron joined him, I think is still higher than Wade personally. But I'm just like it was still every time I envision LeBron, I'll always think I think Wade first, and I I'll, I think I'll always think Kyrie second. But I don't know. It just yeah. hit, it just, it just I, dawned I, on me that it's going to be AD in terms of statistics sooner so, sooner rather than later. That that could just be you know our, our mindsets and and we were such big LeBron fans for for especially for that second Cleveland run for me. But I know you also in that in that Heatles run um, that you not that we're not big LeBron fans now, but it's it's a different sort of emotional attachment. I I will say that the again going back to the disrespect the disrespect that that duo has gotten the fact that you know it's yeah they're probably not winning a championship this year but let's say they win a championship in the next three years including this year one of those three so now LeBron and AD have two championships and all y'all have said is that they're trash together they never play yep. all this and that like uh, it's it's real they they're win actu- they're actually nearly unstoppable when they're on the court together like they I mean, are so uh, we, we talked about good this too. together. AD was when they won the bubble championship was the perfect playoff defender. And I know people don't think of him as such an incredible defender. He AD. was perfection in terms of what you needed to switch and to help and to protect the rim. Oh, it was Can it was, I say something sca- Can I say something scary? He Do looks it. the exact same right now. Wow, okay, I got to watch more Laker games then. Because I, I, I see he it from him offensively. So good. But he's, LeBron doesn't look the same, sadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's coming off the, the foot injury stuff. LeBron had two free throws last night. So, I mean, he's just clearly not attacking the same way. Reeves had 10 free throws. Uh, I mean, AD, Reeves in the and past AD, month AD has had, been the league leader in free throws. AD had 40 on 20 shots. Like he was fifteen of like twenty for throws, forty points. Ten of twelve from the line. Yeah, I think I he's just a mo- he's just playing so well. He's had four straight games with over thirty-seven. He's, yeah, he yeah, looks I mean, amazing. Look, he's he's an animal. I'm I am skewed sometimes by the fact that he lumbers and it looks like at any given time that his back could collapse into the snake skin that it is. But I yeah. look, the results are there. And I've seen what he can do in the playoffs. And you know, the game is different. And I know his game translates. All right, well, we'll segue that seven-footer AD to the three seven-footers that are on UConn, and we'll go watch that game. AV, thank you for joining me. As always, remember to follow me on Twitter at mfiddle14. Remember to join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast. And if you would be so lovely, send this podcast to a friend who likes sports gambling and get them interested as well. We will be back likely on Thursday or Friday with another Slate Breakdown. As always, peace out.